Hello and welcome to Yara Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, FG Business reporter Alex Black. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. Well, it's an action-packed week this week with not one but two episodes of Over the Farmgate. There's a special episode coming up on Thursday so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Up today, as part of the next instalment of our Farming Can campaign, we're looking at how farming can be a leader in science and technology. But the innovation that we see on many farms every day is seemingly completely misunderstood by the public. We bring you details of our new survey later in the show, and we speak to a young engineer who's blazing a trail for other young women. But first, it certainly caused a stir on our website and social media channels when we reported on Lord Benyon's East of England conference remark that diesel would not be used on farm in 15 years' time, and that the current discussion taking place on whether or not red diesel should be taxed were analogue in a digital age. His comments came as government plans to scrap the sale of all diesel-fuelled heavy goods vehicles by 2040 were announced. So, is all this feasible, and how would farmers cope with the transition? Our chief reporter, Abby Kay, has been looking into it. A flippant remark, or a hint that the government is set to unveil a serious plan for cutting fossil fuel use? That's the question many farmers have been asking, after DEFRA Minister Lord Benyon claimed diesel would not be used on farm in 15 years' time. Speaking at the East of England Farming Conference on November 17th, Lord Benyon said the current discussions taking place on whether or not red diesel should be taxed were analogue in a digital age. His comments came as government plans to scrap the sale of all diesel-fuelled heavy goods vehicles by 2040 were announced, with industry warning deliveries of milk to corner shops and supplies going to farms could be disrupted. The minister's remarks sparked a huge debate on social media, with many farmers suggesting the minister was, to put it politely, being unrealistic. On Facebook, Terry Smith said the government was living in cloud cuckoo land. This is just another way to squeeze more money out of everybody, he added. Elizabeth Cottier felt the same, claiming all tractors would be sent abroad to farms which would still have the freedom to choose what they want. Bye-bye farmers, I'll miss you all so much, she said. Michael Flandrick also questioned the timescale of the phase-out. He said, there are millions of used tractors in service, it would have to be phased out over the next 70 years. But what's the reality of this situation? Is it feasible to say diesel will be gone by 2035? And if so, what kind of support will be needed to help farmers make the transition? I spoke earlier to Martin Lines, UK Chair of the Nature Friendly Farming Network, and Mark Coolman, National Chair of the Tenant Farmers Association, to find out. So what did you think of Lord Benyon's comments, Martin? Well, I accept that you know, many vehicles and modern tra- newer tractors will be running without diesel in 15, 10 to 15 years' time. Uh, so we accept that. That's really good. But there's a whole, ma- you know, huge amount of tractors and plant machinery that we have on farms that will not be able to run on other than diesel or an alternative product in t- 10 to 15 years. So while that uh, is really welcomed, that we need to invest in new machinery that moves away from fuel, we need to find alternatives and have government support for those alternatives to feed into our old diesel engines. What kind of alternatives do you think are available at the moment then? Well, it's the HVO, the high, um, I struggle to say this, hydrogenated vegetable oil, uh, so, which is taxed at the same as fossil fuel. We need to find green alternatives that have a, a, a cheaper uh, delivery price onto farms and, and allow fossil fuels to have that increase uh, taxation in the future years when we have a clear alternative. So is it just about reducing that level of taxation or is it about subsidising things like HBO more widely than that? 
I don't think it needs a subsidy. It just needs us to give us a clear alternative because if we need to go to net zero, we need to you know deal with our climate challenge as many of our older tractors will need an alternative fuel use rather than a fossil fuel-based fuel in the future. But that should be an unaffordable rate. Do you think that's the only kind of support that's going to be needed, though? I mean, when we posted this story on our social media challenge, it was met with widespread ridicule and people saying their machinery was never going to run on anything else. Is there going to need to be any additional support on top of that? Quite honestly, I think many farmers are not realising the journey we're going on. We already know uh, cars will be gone, you know, petrol and diesel cars will be no longer be sold by 2030, lorries by 2040. We are going to take fossil fuel, you know, government and globally, they will take fossil fuels out of our system over the next 20 to 30 years. So we have got to wake up as farmers in the farming sector and find solutions and invest in those solutions when they come available. So we can't say we're not going to use fossil fuels in, in, in years to come because they're not going to be there. So what are we going to put in our diesel engines? Because we will not be able to replace them all. And the replacement of those diesel engines will have a higher carbon footprint than alternative fuel uses we can put in them. So are you expecting the government to give farmers a bit of a helping hand with that beyond just cutting tax on other alternative fuel measures? I would hope so. I hope there would be an investment opportunities and uh, you know, alternative fuel investment into alternative fuel uses. Um, but I don't see this government giving us huge handouts uh, just because we, we've got lots of these engines. We are going to have to invest ourselves, but it's got to be joined up for those many vehicles that we will not change in the next twenty to thirty years. They do limited hours on many farms, and the replacement will be hugely expensive. So we need to find the alternative fuels, and that's where the investment should be really placed. The Nature Friendly Farming Network, then, I'm assuming that you have conversations with government about the future direction of travel quite frequently. Is this something that ministers have mentioned to you before, the fact that they're expecting diesel not to be used on farm in 15 years' time? I I, I, I meet and have conversations regularly with uh, Westminster government and the devolved governments. Uh, we have a direction of tra- travel to remove fossil fuels out of our system, and some of that will be done a lot quicker. I was surprised he said, you know, the statement was in 15 years' time, but I do accept he, he you know, I think he was really talking about the newer tractors, but we need to find solutions for all those others. And we have a very ambitious target as a, as a global th- uh, thing and as a UK government to remove fossil fuels out of our system, and that won't be just fuels. How do you expect that the government will make this change? And I mean, we've talked a little bit about the kind of support that you would expect. Do you think Lord Benjamin was sort of betting on new technology coming down the pipeline in the next 15 years? Or do you think he's expecting the government's going to use that sort of carrot and stick approach to, to push, the, push the phase out of diesel? Well, we know new technology is already available. JCB and many other manufacturers on their small plant machinery are already putting electrification into a battery uh, bits in it's those larger, bigger vehicles, longer hours, driving for longer periods. The technology is coming, but we also know technology is coming for smaller robotics and other machinery. So, it, where, how and what we farm in twenty years will be very different. I think it's a very bold statement that he came out to say we won't be using diesel in fifteen years' time. He obviously has a plan that we have an alternative product we can use in fifteen years' time. Um, so there is a direction of travel, and we need to wake up and get ready for this. Thank you very much, Martin. And now, Mark Coleman from the TFA. 
Mark, did Lord Benyon's comments come as a surprise to you? Yes, I think they did. I, I, I think we know the direction of travel with net zero and uh, trying to make changes, but putting a specific date on it that there would be no diesel, uh, yeah, was a surprise. I don't think we were aware of that. How expensive would it be for farmers to make this change to move away from diesel? I think I think this is one of those unknown questions, isn't it? I, I think a lot of the stuff that we've been encouraged to do both for businesses and in our own kind of personal lives are a sort of an unknown quantity. I think all we can say is that there is likely to be a not insignificant cost to replacing everything that is currently running on diesel with what would have to be quite new technologies. And even in 15 years' time, I suspect a lot of these technologies will be still relatively new. And what we know about new technologies is that they are generally expensive when when they're in the relatively early stages. So, yeah, I certainly couldn't put a number on it, Abby, but I think think it's going to be a costly exercise, yes. What kind of support then would you be expecting from the government if they are going to put a date on this and say in 15 years' time these are going to be phased out? Are you looking for anything in particular? Again, I think... I think we're very early days on this on this stuff. Uh, but what I would say is, if if there is a a kind of enforcement to do something which otherwise is extremely costly and doesn't make economic sense from a business, then I think there does need to be some level of support and encouragement to do it. I guess the bigger question about this kind of technology is, what are the manufacturers? able to do in the period of time we're talking about to come up with cost-effective solutions because i think you could argue that you know these are business decisions and you know if you've got to use a different technology and it makes economic sense then you know there's no reason why economically you shouldn't do that but i suspect the cost of doing it across everything that we use is we'll need some kind of support and encouragement to do it um, you said in answer to the first question that this comment had come as a bit of a surprise to you. Do you think that this was, you know, a throwaway comment from the minister or do you think it, it shows that there is actually a serious plan underway to make sure that this happens within within that time frame? Um, well, I'll be honest, I didn't. I've read the articles. Um, I, I didn't hear the comments particularly so I, I wouldn't be able to say whether it was a throwaway comment or whether it's strategy or policy um it, it does feel a little bit at the moment that that we are in times where people are throwing out dates about achieving all sorts of things without necessarily having really looked at the practical practical ability to deliver that and and that's not just within agriculture, is it? I think that's across all sorts of, of things that we're trying to deal with at the moment. Do you think the government is bringing farmers on board with its net zero agenda? Or do you think there's a bit of a gap between what the government's expecting and what farmers think is realistic or achievable? Um, 
Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I think there's two answers to that. I think I think there is an, a broad understanding across the industry and at individual farm business level that the government is aiming and keen to achieve a net zero position for the country. And in fact, that agriculture can play a an important role in that. So uh, I think to the degree of is it bringing the industry along in terms of can the industry play a, uh, a significant role in the country being able to achieve this? Probably yes. Is it bringing people along in terms of how we might go about achieving this and what actions should be taken? I suspect they've got a long way to go for everybody to understand what the right and wrong things to do are and what impact they will have. Thanks very much, Mark. Thanks to Abby and to Martin and Mark for their thoughts. Now, millions of pounds are being pumped into Britain's agritech sector each year. Farmers are using increasingly sophisticated technology and innovations that are changing the face of the industry. So why is the public's perception of farming so different? New research commissioned by our Farming Can campaign showed out of more than 2,000 British adults, almost half believe British farmers should do more to utilise technology and modernise farming. And 32% said agriculture had not been quick enough to embrace technology. This is in spite of an overwhelming 68% of the public admitting they had not been on a farm recently to see what technology farmers use. Of course, this research highlights the alarming misconceptions consumers have about the agricultural sector. British farming is in fact going through a technological revolution, making it one of the most fast-paced and dynamic industries in the world. Technology, including state-of-the-art vertical farms, drones and autonomous robots, are helping farmers lead the way in tackling many global challenges. As part of Farming Can, we're addressing these misconceptions. We're talking to the public through the national media and through our major consumer special media campaign. A big part of what we're doing is promoting the range of rewarding careers and breadth of opportunities open to young people in agriculture. Charlotte Budgeon, age 20, is one of the faces of tomorrow's Engineers Week. She tells our reporter Hannah Binns about her career journey into agricultural engineering so far, which stemmed from a girls into engineering visit to Bristol University and a love for all things practical. Currently studying her Level 3 in Land Engineering at Bicton College in Devon, Charlotte also talks about what it was like being the only girl on the engineering site and how gender should not pose a barrier to anyone interested in pursuing a career within the sector. So, to start with, could I have a bit of background about you and your family farm? So, it's not actually my family farm, it's my boyfriend's family farm. Yeah. Um, so, I started going over about a year ago and it's an organic dairy farm it's 100 percent pasture fed and it we also have so it's about six i think it's 65 milkers at the moment and we also have organic pigs and some sheep as well but they aren't certified organic mm-hmm. um and we um bottle and like, we pasteurize 50 percent of our milk and sell it locally so that all only 50 percent goes off off the tanker uh, we do milk, cream and yogurt. <laughs> and then we also have an on-farm butcher as well. So we also butcher our own meat, so bullocks and pigs and sheep as well, which also gets sold locally. Mm. And do you come from a farming background yourself? Um, not originally, but I know my granddad was a dairy farmer mm-hmm. when he was but 
really know. Yeah, sure. So what kind of um, motivated you to kind of join the engineering sector? Um, I've always loved engineering, um, but I think it was, well, I'd always liked the practical side of things. Mm-hmm. But I think year eight, I went on a trip in, to Bristol University called Girls Into Engineering, and I really enjoyed that. And from then on, I sort of did everything I could to be able to get more into engineering and went on lots of trips and work experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. And was there any reason kind of why you've gone down the ag route rather than, you know, normal engineering? Uh, well, since lockdown, so during lockdown, I went to, well, it's sort of, we were all locked down, we had nothing to do, so I went and helped out on my friend's farm because mm-hmm. it was sort of something to get money off and something to do. And I actually found out I loved it, but then I also still loved engineering, so I sort of merged the two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which worked quite well. Excellent. So are you first year, second year? Second year, level second year. three. Yeah. Enjoying it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got any particular highlights of the course so far? Um, I quite particularly liked working, learning about combines and stuff because we're such a small farm. We don't really do that. We sort of miss that kind of step. So mm-hmm. it was quite nice to learn how it all works as well. Yeah. And have you encountered any kind of gender bias in your course? Obviously, it's uh, quite a male-dominated well, yeah. industry. I fell completely on the whole of engineering, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> but I've sort of used that because I've always done product design at secondary school, so I was always the only girl in that as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I guess I was kind of used to it, but here at Victon, they're quite good because they don't think of me as a girl really they just think of me an engineer so it doesn't really matter too much mm. and do you think it'd pop off other young people from entering into the industry do you think they see it as a barrier or do you think it's fairly yeah. accessible um i definitely p- think people see it as bar- a barrier i often think sometimes people would be um weirded out that i was doing engineering and stuff so but my mum definitely knew i loved it so pushed me to do it more basically <laughs> yeah and how accessible have you found it uh, fairly accessible well I sort of knew what I wanted to do so I went for it but there definitely could be more like I guess availability to girls and try not to push them away from it mm-hmm. what kind of things would you like to see encouraged um, definitely more girl role model figures mm-hmm. towards we're, seeing, we're young girls on TV adverts, all the builders and stuff, and the people fixing stuff are all men and things. Like it's There's never any girls doing that type of job. But then it doesn't have to be sort of like that. It just also has to be people regularly talking about it and not seem as a strange thing to be talking about a girl in engineering. Yeah, it should be anyone, really. Yeah. yeah, it, doesn't have, yeah it doesn't have to be a big thing about making it more equal it just needs to be generally just equal and not make a big deal yeah and what do you hope to achieve once you've finished your course what are your kind of plans um i'm not actually too sure yet i definitely well i definitely love the farming side and the animal animal side but i definitely want to make this qualification i'm going to get out of engineering some way but i haven't worked that one out yet (laughs) (laughs) sure and how does it work do you work alongside a company doing your Level three? Uh, well, we have to do work experience. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's sort of all lecture-based and practical-based at college, and we sort of work off that. And how have you found the support network there? 
That's very good, yeah. They give you all your... If you need anything, then they definitely help you out, especially with travel and stuff for work experience and all the things. They definitely try and make it so everyone can do it, even if you don't have the money or time and things. Mm. And how are you making sure that your farm or your boyfriend's farm's kind of going towards net zero? I think they've started... They've always been quite... uh, net zero farm not necessarily knowing it but they've had solar panels for a number of years obviously they're pasture fed they're organic so that's always started it but i think we we're trying to make things more local so we have a local delivery round for meat and dairy and we also are trying to get um an electric van to do the delivery rounds in now and also link it to other local produce as well so local veg and herbs and bread and stuff like that to try and make it all one big round yeah no that sounds a bit more fuel efficient yeah and in terms of engineering uh, and role models can you think of any female engineering role models or um, are any of your like think... lecturers no they're, they're all male yeah. <laughs> every single one <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel quite a responsibility that you are you know doing this course do you think others will be looking up to you um Probably, yeah. I know that my well, my lecturer said to me today that there's two level two girls that I think he, he wants me to chat to because they don't seem as they don't understand why they're doing it and things because obviously mm. there's no other girls. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it is because I don't think there was any girls in the year above me either. So I last year I was the only girl in the engineering site basically, mm. <laughs> which is very strange. Yeah. This year's so much better. Yeah. Are you getting out and about a bit more? Uh, yeah, so we, well, I think it was the first week back we went to look at combines, so that mm-hmm. was a bit more exciting. Yeah, and do you do like a range of different agricultural vehicles? Yeah, yeah. ranging from quads, lawn mowers, all the way up to combines and potato harvesters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it covers everything, basically. Yeah, and is there any particular area of engineering that you get most excited about? probably more like welding and building things rather than electrics i think electrics is my least favorite but definitely the fabricating probably Mm -hmm. and how important do you think it is for like young children to kind of get those stem educations so then they can go on to consider careers like engineering it's definitely a key thing yeah Mm. definitely it's definitely helped me because I did my A levels before I went to Lipton, which has definitely mm-hmm. helped me with the first part of the lectures and things. I knew more about it because I'd done the A levels. Yeah. <coughs> sure. Would you say it's quite science and maths based as a job, or is it a mixture? It's. I wouldn't say it's based. Well, I would say it's based on it, but you only have to know the basics to be able to do it. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it helps to be able to know a lot more, but you can start off with only knowing the basics. It doesn't have to put you off if you're not the best at it. Mm. And what would you kind of advise anyone who's interested in a career in engineering to do? Do everything you can to get into it. Anything that pops up that think you think might help you, definitely go for it, because that's what helped me. Mm. Yeah, so I went on the girls into engineering thing in year eight. And then in year nine, our school started Girls into Physics, which was like a thing that we did. Well, my mum was part of it because she ran it, but 
it was basically trying to get more girls into physics so then we could go on trips and stuff and learn about physics, which we went on trips to, like, Rolls-Royce to the engineering department. Um, I remember I applied for the Arkwright scholarship, which I got. So that was a two-year scholarship, and I basically went to some uh, Atlantic Inertial Systems in Plymouth, which is like electronics engineering. And I also went to RAF Cranwell, which was where we looked at all the plane side of engineering as well. So I sort of did a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. So you got to see different kinds of engineering before yeah. you decided. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I've basically been every side of engineering. Yeah. <laughs> and what particularly about land-based engineering excites you the most? It ranges from small to big. It's really exciting. Like It's not just one type of engine or one type of way of moving and things. You've got just the push-along or you've got the huge combines with huge engines and things, which mm. is quite... It's a different... Every job is different. Yeah. <laughs> bit like farming, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never have the same day. <laughs> Thanks to Hannah and Charlotte. And for more on Farming Can head to fginsight.com forward slash farming can. And of course, for more on careers in agriculture and to see the range of jobs available, visit fginsight.com forward slash careers. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farmgate. And don't forget to download our special one-off show on Thursday. You definitely do not want to miss that. We'll have a break next week, so no podcast on December the 7th, and then we'll be back with you on December the 14th when we'll be feeling decidedly festive. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening, and goodbye for now. Goodbye.